All right, hello. This was not our first planned episode, but we decided that we should just go for it because there's some super interesting stuff happening in Eugene right now. Right now. Right right now. now. So we just wanted to talk about it. So uh, my name's Catherine. I am an anarcho... I I used to call myself an anarcho-communist, but now I'm reading more about Malatesta, and I think I'm going to start going with anarcho-socialist, which is an interesting thing. We can talk about that later. My name is Cimarron, and... uh... I'm a syndicalist and anarchist and a Quaker, and this is Friendly Anarchism. Oh, right, yes. I'm a Quaker also, and I'm more of a biblical uh, Christian Quaker. I I don't know if I believe in the Bible, but it's interesting. (laughs) So uh, here we are, um, and things have happened today. Yeah, crazy Um, stuff. Really big things. Um, At the uh, University of Oregon, um, a pair of, or a trio um, of white supremacists showed up on campus uh, genocide Jimmy, um, who is notorious for denying the Holocaust, uh, who was for a long time a member of the National Socialist Movement, which is an outgrowth of the American Nazi Party. So he's like a bona fide Nazi shows up on campus uh, with a couple, you know, boneheads, and uh, they're denying the Holocaust. Uh, Jimmy has this big truck with a swastika on it and some other things, and he changes this. He's got these like sidings. He changes on them. Um, and uh, so he shows up at the U of O um, and starts playing bagpipes. <laughs> I know. It's like, and, man. Yeah. At first I, I heard these bagpipes and I was like, what? Like, what like, is this guy doing? Dude, like, there's like, like midterms are going on. Like, why are you, this is like, that seems bizarre. Well, and it's like, come on, man. I understand that every white person in America thinks that they're either Irish or Scottish. <laughs> but like, you're, t- you're taking it too far here. It's like, when, if, like, the bagpipe is like not... The most <laughs> like a, like like suave illustrious instrument. I think it's kind of funny to have the bagpipe be like the um, the you know the sing signal or like the like the call sign for white supremacy. It's kind of perfect. As you know, there it's, a, it's seriously a bag of hot air, right? <laughs> anyway, continue. Um, so uh, the the long short of it is. Um, uh, the some of the first people to show up and be like, you know, WTF, mate, um, <laughs> were uh, a group. The first people I saw was there were some, um, uh, a couple people of color came up and confronted confronted him and were like, "What are you doing here?" Um, and then very quickly a crowd swelled um, and there was at least a hundred, um, probably a hundred and fifty or more, um, and. Uh, People were. Wow, I didn't know it got that big. Yeah, people were talking uh, to them and engaging with them. Some people were shouting at them. Um, one uh, person was shouting, "You know, uh, Nazis not welcome here!" Um, and um, uh, people were telling them to leave and, and get out. Um, and a um, and do you want to tell the the story that you were just reading about it? Yeah. So that's the thing is, I was at work. So I did not see what's going on. So all I know about it is what I'm seeing in the media. Um, And, of course, the media is terrible. The first article that I saw about it is from what's called the Daily Emerald. uh, Campus newspaper. Yeah, So and it's it's sort of not great. It's not like a great source. The only thing I – so obviously I didn't have the full story, but the story that I did get – was that they basically were not welcome on campus. They didn't get a lot of, like, positive feedback. (laughs) (laughs) And that um, they were eventually um, chased out by singing and dancing um, by the rabbi 
uh, um, on campus. Um, and to look up his name, he's a cool dude. Um, but so basically the story was like the Nazis were run out of town or run out of view of, oh, by the singing and dancing of this rabbi, which was a really fun, cool story. And I was like, oh, that's fun. But then I go on social media and I see a lot of anarchists saying, like, without, without mentioning him at all, you know, mentioning other groups that, like, have some sort of uh, other sort of different anarchist affiliations, taking the credit for it. And I was unsure about what that dynamic was about because the article didn't say anything about what the other groups were there. And you saw them there and that they, they were an important part of getting Jimmy Marr and friends out of campus. So, like, do you, can you speak to that a, a more? Yeah, or... I mean, and I think it's important to note that there's, like, obviously, um, as, like, a group of neo-Nazis showing up, that's, like, poses a visible threat with a history of, uh, of, of neo-Nazis and of genocide and of ethnic cleansing um, and the, the real intense threats that's sort of just, like, implied with this ideology that is stated, um, the supremacy of whiteness, meaning inherently the repression of any other identity, um, meaning all people of color, um, often explicitly pertaining to Jewish people, um, and um, and that I think that it's it's really telling that there was both like people of color and um, and Jewish people there being like no <laughs> like get out, um, and there were um, anarchists there also who were um, you know and antifa anti fascist folks saying hey get off you know get off campus um, and you know, I think this this Jimmy Marr character who sometimes goes by Genocide Jimmy, I think he has a, a yeah, Twitter handle. So... Uh... Oh, and then I, <laughs> the other thing that Emerald says with that he was there, like, saying, like, we're not about genocide. It's like, that's literally your handle. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's not, you don't understand us. We're misunderstood Nazis. It's like, I think we get you pretty good. Yeah, no, like, we got I, it. We got Thanks. it. Like, I, I don't think G-G-F-O. you're going to <laughs> So I, <laughs> I'm not, not really not really feeling him on that one yeah. um trying to rebrand white supremacy that's something that they're doing all over the country is trying to rebrand white supremacy yeah. as like friendly white supremacy and yeah. and this is something that's been happening all over the world um in greece the golden dawn party in france with marie le pen um golden dawn obviously not saying we're neo-nazis but their flag is half of a swastika <laughs> um yeah. and golden dawn they're saying oh we're you know we're white people for france the french the sort of francophone ideology um and England with Brexit, uh, with fear of immigrants coming in through being a part of the European Union. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, Trump ran on the policy of saying, you know, horrible things about racists or horrible things about people of color making racist and he was making racist comments and so on. Um, and for a long time, the like white supremacist organizations in the United States have tried to come across as anything but Nazis. They've tried to, like, cut that tie. Mm-hmm. Uh, groups like, oh, white workers' parties, white nationalist parties, white people's working party, all these, like, weird things to, like, try to say white, um, but trying not to say Nazi. Like, yeah, trying desperately that, to skin around I that. that. Yeah, I guess that title's been damaged in some way. Like, I guess that has, like, negative connotations for the rest of society people don't want to be associated with. <laughs> Fucking Nazis. Like, yeah, so... Um, so that's that's bas- I, that's kind of what Jimmy Marr is doing, I think. And it's like people like music. Like, look, we're just friendly musicians. You yeah, know? we're like... troubadours. <laughs> 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 Fucking Nazi troubadours. Jesus 
Yeah, in kilts. Like, great. Super scary now. <laughs> um, and But one of the things that I, I appreciated was that, like, so this guy shows up. He's you know, unannounced, doing Nazi business and whatever. And, like, immediately, you know, people are showing up. And I think it speaks to, like, really the, like, and this wasn't about, like, Trump or anti-Trump. Like, that's not what was going on. Sometimes protests are characterized that way. But, like, no, this was, like, neo-Nazis showed up on campus and people were like, WTF. Um, and overwhelmingly, it was, you know, it was people of color, it was Jewish people, and uh, and it was Antifa folks who just had this, like, in some ways, like, spontaneous natural alliance and you know not totally spontaneous you know clubs work together and collaborate and have done so for years it's not like this is like yeah people haven't met each other but um but rather that like people were able to really work together in opposition and come together um and you know this is it was really it was a community event (laughs) (laughs) yeah there was music there was dancing apparently like yeah so I mean, you, it's it's interesting, you know, talking about the media thing, because, like, the first media you see is, like, yes, they got driven out, and it's because of this one thing. And, you know, the rabbi um, singing and dancing, and that, that's sort of, like, the, the easiest narrative, you know? Um, I would love to see, we need to see um, what other media is going to come out about this, if there's anybody else there or what, you know, because uh, I don't know. I mean, were they masked up? No, no. I mean, this is a totally spontaneous thing. This yeah. guy showed up, and so people were there. Yeah. Um, and um, so, I mean, people just sort of came together right then. I don't I don't think there was anything yeah. like... See, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really an organic resistance. Was... <laughs> See, that's nice, and I think that sort of speaks to the idea that um, of defensive space. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I think everyone can agree on, or, I mean, obviously you can never say that about any group ever, but, like, the idea of defensive space is super, yeah, super, super important. And um, I wish we had better ways of communicating what happened in a quick way, because I was also, you know, I was in my car at one point. I actually, I actually went down there, but I, I missed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was getting driven off too quick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I was, I didn't really have time to, I didn't really have time to do that. I just was, like, wanting to drive around at that moment, and anyway, uh, I missed it. Anyway, um, so I was also listening to the radio, and um, somebody on the radio was talking about it happening right then, and uh, saying, basically, saying some really shitty things about anarchists, and this was on, like, a community, like, a liberal community radio station, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like, that is the narrative, and there wasn't anything about this that, I don't know, what do we do about this narrative? What is this narrative? Like, if this is a false narrative, there will obviously... You're talking about anarchism now. Yeah, yeah, like, obviously, um, nothing happened where the media could jump on blaming anarchists for anything, right? And I think that's pretty important. Like, I think that's, I think that is one of the reasons that this didn't blow up in their faces, is that there wasn't any, like, really scary violence, you know what I mean? Yeah, because this is following on the heels of Berkeley, where neo-Nazis and anti-fascists were clashing, um, and uh, a, a number of anti-fascists got, got 
beaten pretty badly. Yeah. Um, and so there's, I mean, there's a real risk with confronting Nazis any time that, that they can turn violent. They might have guns. They might have knives, bats. People have died. Um, Nazis have killed people. Like, that's a real thing. That's a real well, yeah. threat. Nazis definitely are known for, for killing, killing people. people. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, this, this on-campus thing, you know, you get Nazis in this environment... You don't know what's going to happen, right? But it's also sort of like people get tense hearing that there's anarchists there because, again, there seems to be this sort of like it adds this level of violent threat, you know, that's directed, that anarchists know is directed at defense against Nazis and is directed only at fascists. That's not widely understood, you know, and that's like not widely known, you know, especially we were talking about how and like that is really a shame <laughs> that that's not understood i mean it's literally the name right anti-fascist is yeah. the name so this is this is about anti-fascism um but they are dominating the narrative right now uh i mean the fascists are dominating the narrative right now that yeah. and i think one of the things about their coming oh before saying that i also want to give a shout out there were democratic socialists there also with their rose and fist so i just want to give them a shout out for being on the right side against fascism and like being <laughs> solid allies yeah. also so Shut I know, up. like, I, <laughs> this is this is interesting because I I wanted to um, do an episode about this, you know, in a in a more thought out way, you know, because these co- these issues are really really complicated, and I have we all have very nuanced views on what's going on. Um, obviously, as like a Quaker anarchist, my views on violence versus nonviolence are very nuanced. And I do see a lot on both sides of the issue. So like, we're going to be talking about that more in depth. But this seemed like such an important moment. To, and like, we're talking about like, well, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean for the media coverage? Like, what does it mean for these narratives? Like, what if if anarchists were involved in driving Jimmy Marr off of UO campus? Like, is that going to be included in the narratives tomorrow? Like, is that going to, are there going to be positive inclusions of that? And it's like, well, probably not because the media hates anarchists. Yeah. But why is that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if they played an important positive role in, like, protecting campus from the invasion of Nazis, then, like, what is going on that that doesn't get positive press? Yeah. You know? Um, and, you know, I think it's, you know, there's been this long narrative, too, that, like, um, you know, in, in what way, you know, are people comfortable with um, with white supremacists and neo-Nazis in their community? You know, like, who is like, oh, yeah, this is, this is great. Like, clearly, no, like, lots of people are opposed to this of all, you know, of all political stripes. And, um, and yet these, like, white supremacists continue to persist. And, you know, and yet anarchists get, like, really critiqued heavily for like showing up and and protesting um either in masks or not um but it's you know i i feel you know something about saying here that it's like uh, that's that's great um to critique them but also like where you know like where's the commitment for folks who who are making that critique as well to like show up and say hey like this is this is wrong and i'm going to contribute to like preventing nazis from getting a foothold in my community Mm -hmm. you know like there's a real there's really something there well, one of the things I, I kind of worry about and um, is how anti-fascism and anti-fascist work is of paramount importance right now. Yeah. 
right? That is so important. And I think most people in society, most reasonable people in society <laughs> are on board with the idea that fascism is bad, that white supremacy is bad. So how, why is it, what are we doing to make anti-fascist work so unappealing and so divisive with society as a whole, if society as a whole is sort of with us on that concept. And I see that as a lot of, like, there's a lot of frustrated frustration in anarchist circles that people are sort of, like, misunderstanding their intent. Yeah. But, um, and, like, I think part of that has to do with sort of the state and sort of the, like, structural opposition to changing the system, keeping these narratives out of people's hands, but I also think a lot of the time we're making it easy to, like, continue along these, like, really negative narrative lines, you know? So, like, even if we're in the right and even if changing the narrative is, like, extra hard, it's not helpful to be making it so easy for these negative narratives to continue to exist. And um, especially I feel worried about um, anarchists' ability to, like, really take in self-critique on what's working and what's not working um and that's not you know that's not totally fair because this discussion is huge in the anarchist community i see lots of stuff on both sides but i do know from personal experience that <laughs> you, you get a lot of shit if you say look i don't know if these tactics are working and like we've gone off we've like definitely left the train of like what's happening at u of o yeah um because there was some really solid things happening and that was like a really like organic response yeah i'm, um, I'm trying and... to like figure out my own personal response of like feeling tense you know in hearing response. in response hearing yeah. sort of on the radio all this like sort of like from I, I, I don't know i don't know i'm starting to ramble a little bit i think i guess this is going to be like super just an honest kind of like <laughs> situation um because we're all fighting with these issues we're all like really struggling you know right now i'm i'm reading malatesta i'm like neck deep in um 1800s italian anarchism it's like <laughs> it's wonderful it's totally the most wonderful thing i've ever read probably um they're so they're so snarky these italian anarchists <laughs> but anyway and i'm looking at this and i'm like oh man like this discussion goes back forever this discussion goes back to the very beginnings of anarchism about like propaganda of the deed versus organizational anarchism and um i i'm really excited that the anarchist community is having these conversations and i i hope that we can do it in a way that is productive and um i'm feeling really nervous on a personal level about being really like castigated um and sort of you know like, there's, like, a, like, you have to agree with certain tactics in order to be able to call yourself an anarchist. Yeah. And in my view, you're an anarchist if you believe that an anarchist societal organization is the best way forward. Like, that's, that, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of, in my view, what it, all it takes to be an anarchist is if you think that an anarchist society is the right idea, right? Yeah. You know, and, and I think the other thing here is that, like, um, and I think that's really important to, like, acknowledge about one of the things that happened at the U of O and has happened in other places is that while there's a lot of focus on, um, on like anarchism or, or, you know, the tactic of black block and people dressing up, um, 
you know, that there's also, there's a lot of people who are being targeted by white supremacist organizations who are also doing really amazing organizing as, like, as anarchists or not, um, and that that's, like, that that's happening too, um, that this isn't just, like, random white people, like, there's lots of people of color organizing here as well, um, and that, like, that I think that that's, like, that's an, an, an important part of this is that, um, you know, this isn't a discussion that's just happening in or to or about or with anarchism, that, like, there's this broader social context that's happening that's like, wow, white supremacy is really on the rise. These groups are exploding in membership. They're exploding in number. They're, they're, they're going on everywhere. Um, and, you know, in the context that there's also rise of, uh, of militia movements really in Oregon and also, you yeah. know, across the United States, like, there's a real threat here. Um, there's a real threat happening um, that I think we have to we have to think about. We have to consider. We have to ask yeah. ourselves how you know how are we going to respond and what are the best ways to respond. Um, and you know I can't say I've got the answer. I don't have the answers. But um, oh, dang. But <laughs> um, but I I think that we can say you know that there's not going to be a one approach fits all one you know one solution that fits all yeah. things. Um, you know cities are different contexts are different you know eugene isn't berkeley eugene isn't seattle um eugene isn't europe yeah um and these contexts may call for different approaches um and um i i think that i you know i was a little sensitive i've been sort of like tensing up a little bit about anarchists presence and the antifa issues in a way that really bothers me because I, I know some Antifa people who are just lovely, wonderful people, wonderful organizers. Yeah. And, um, but also I was pretty upset about Berkeley. Um, and I wasn't the only one. Then this really weird thing happened yesterday. I mean, it was upsetting on multiple, many, many levels. I wasn't upset at just like anarchists, like the whole, th- I meant, I meant that I was just like upset at the entire situation that it like came to this point where basically middle of Berkeley became a war zone, you know, but what's happening is I'm looking also over at black Twitter. I'm looking over at sort of reactions from other people of color, even other like, um, black anti-fascists too. And like following how they're feeling about what's going on and a lot of negativity, you know, a lot of negativity. There was, um, a lot of, um, very leftist black people on Twitter were pretty unhappy with the response to the woman who got punched, the woman with um, the dreads who got punched by mm-hmm. the Nazi, uh, Demigo. Is that how you say his name? I don't know. Um, anyway, um, just sort of expressing the fact that she got so much attention for this when other people working in social justice have are their lives are on the line constantly all the time if you're a person of color you know and just this sort of centering this sort of like centering aspect of this sort of anarchist stuff you know at the same time i saw another post by someone random who was black who was going through that area of berkeley and one of these nazis threw a can of pepsi at his face and, like, really fucked up his face, like, Mm. severely, seriously, seriously badly, you know, it was really disturbing to look at, and he went to a cop who was nearby, and to ask for help, because he just got seriously assaulted, and the cop says, welcome to Trump's America, 
right? Well, I mean, I, what I don't know what else you should expect from cops. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's like, you know, he doesn't have a GoFundMe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I'm just sort of, I, I'm torn because then this, so I'm looking at this. I retweet um, a, a tweet by a woman saying, like, this is why even black why a lot of black anti-fascists hate Antifa and for these sorts of things. And I retweeted it just sort of and being like, look, I, I kind of agree with her on this. Like the, the, it was an overblown reaction to, it was like an out of scale reaction to the violence perpetrated against this one small white Antifa woman um, versus a sort of structural and just like this continuous violence happening in our society against all sorts of other people. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it got retweeted by this, like, creepy, weird fascist kind of anarchist, with anarchism in the name group. Well, I mean, there's, group. There's, like, there's, like, there's also, there's also this weird history in anarchism of, like, uh, of white supremacists, like, trying to weasel their way in. Oh, like, for like, sure. I mean, like, like, like national socialism <laughs> is, like, the national there being, like, code for white yeah, supremacy so and these, also, like, yeah. national anarchism also, like, there's the Bay Area National Anarchist, Banna, um, oh, who is also, Banna. like, yeah, right, like, God, this is a terrible acronym. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, okay, so, but the point is, so then they, this got retweeted by, by this, like, creepy group, and because I had said something negative about Antifa, mm. so it's like, they were agreeing with me on the negative Antifa thing. That was their coming that, was th- that Yeah, exactly. Like, how, like, so that was just, like, this super weird dynamic that makes me really uncomfortable. It's like, I, I you know, and I'm, I'm not sure where to go with that. Yeah, what does it <laughs> like, mean when fascists mean? start retweeting you? That's the bad thing. That's bad. Like, I deleted the tweet, but it's also, like, the tweet was in support of, it was a retweet of a black anti-fascist. Yeah. Like, it wasn't. You know what I mean? So it's just like we're in this weird space right here. And I think it's like, you know, you go far enough left, you end up on the far right. You know what I mean? Like we've we've seen that a lot. Like there's this weird like mooky place in between the far left and the far right. And sort of that's what worries me is like people drawing those lines between the far left and the far right in different places. I mean, I, I don't know that that's totally true. I mean, I, I feel like the political, the idea of the, like, horseshoe political spectrum where, like, the, the far ends, the red ends bend towards each other, like, I mean, <laughs> their reasons of how they get there is so fundamentally different that, yeah. like, I, the, the idea of, like, putting them together is, like, to me, laughable. Like, okay, so, like, Richard Spencer is, like, um, is for uh, a basically a, a socialized healthcare system. And like, I share that position. I'm for socialized healthcare, but he's for socialized healthcare so that all white people get care so that white people don't decrease in population or whatever. Simple. I don't care what the fuck, how we got there. It's bullshit. <laughs> and whereas like, I'm like, no, I genuinely care about all people. Like I understand that like everyone needs healthcare. That's a basic human need, like period. End yeah. of story. Like I would be even for like the most vile people still like getting some well, like yeah, medical I mean, care, you know, like, but yeah. like, like reaching the same point doesn't mean that like oh like there's there's sympathy like no, no. like these are still like antithetical well, yeah, positions no. even yeah. if they're reaching even if there's like common conclusions it's like no these are still very fundamentally different things <laughs> well, like absolutely. their reasons and their goals and how they would be implemented and what they would look like and who they would hurt and why they would hurt right. them like 
all over the map. All over the map. It's like launching yeah. oneself out towards stars <laughs> and saying like, oh, look, I'm near a star. Oh, I'm look near this other kind of star. Well, they both might be, you know... I'm gonna make up Star Trek here. Class 3M giants, <laughs> but they're totally different stars, man. <laughs> These are did not we, the same. Did thing. we ever mention how much anarchists love sci fi? That's real. That's totally real. Um, yeah, you know, this is difficult. This is a difficult subject. Um, and we, we should do our, like, actually planned one where I have all my, like, good notes and stuff. But, you know, I'm. It's just sort of like, sometimes I'm looking around, I'm wondering if people are caring, some people, sometimes, the narrative that's most out there, and is also not totally untrue, of caring more about the methods than the goals, mm. you know, in some, in some cases, and, um, or just having, even just having these discussions, um, in an open, not super defensive way. Like I'm trying, I'm trying to not do that. I really want to figure this out, you know, like I'm not prescribing anything. And I feel like a lot of these conversations are not trying to necessarily prescribe something, but there's definitely a problem. There's definitely an issue and there's definitely a real divisive nature to sort of like these like openly uh, like on the offense violent tactics you know like I worry very much that in Berkeley sort of what started as like a very very important moment with the deplatforming of Milo mm-hmm. because he was going to release Milo Yiannopoulos who's the yeah. far yeah. right spokesperson who's like for a while served as like the interlocutor between um <laughs> between the like alt-right and conservatism he's like made jokes that like speak to conservative crowds to try to make the alt-right and fascism palatable like that's been his job yeah and so he was coming to berkeley to give a free speech blotty blah bullshit thing and he was going to release the names of berkeley students who were undocumented and putting these students at dire risk you know like that absolutely had to be stopped and that part of the narrative isn't as well understood or known because shutting down his talk was not just about like, we don't want to hear him speak. It was like in like direct, direct response to this threat and having him not speak like stopped that threat. So like it, it was an incredibly important moment and a very, very like, I I definitely support it. Um, Somehow though, it like, it got to this point and then there was the fight in the park and a lot of it, most of it, I would say almost all of it probably was defensive on anarchists' part. Like the the far right attacked first. But then the far right is so good at like creating victimhood and martyring themselves. And this yeah. is so ironic because that is the tactic that nonviolent protest like relies heavily on is creating these victim narratives, you know? So it's, like, they sort of have this, like, martyrdom thing down, um, and they're pretty good at marketing it, except for when they're assholes, and it doesn't work because nobody feels bad for them at all, right? So maybe I'm totally off base on that one, actually. I don't know. But, but what I'm, but the point is, like, somehow it's starting to, like, it started to spiral out of control. Like, it started at this place, it's super, super important, and then it's, like, 
this um, protest, this counter-protest march ends up with punching and with violence, but mostly defensive, you know, and then it's just like, then there's like these planned, the anarchists versus the fascists like start to like have these planned protests, planned, and then the planned counter-protest, and it's attracting more and more violence. It's just ramping up. It's just continuing to ramp up. I don't know what's going to happen with the next one. You know, the last one basically turned Berkeley into a war zone. And, you know, the other thing I'm seeing on um, reactions and stuff, um, Black Aziz Ansari said, you know, <laughs> um, look at all this white-on-white gang violence yeah. like why don't, why don't they speak to their community leaders you know like, like um like where are their community leaders you know something that like white it's people say to yeah. black communities all the time um and it's true that's sort of what it's looking like that's what it's feeling like in like a way that i'm super uncomfortable with with sort of like the costumes and the signs and the um and just sort of like the you know really really sort of insular group here versus insular group there. Yeah. It doesn't feel like the left or like community defense standing up against white nationalism. In a lot of these cases, it starts to really feel like an insular gang group against another weird white gang group, yeah. you know? And like, that's a really, and I see that all over, I'm seeing that around too. And it's like, well, that's, you know, if that's totally not fair, totally not fair, it's not coming across. Like the message isn't, the message of, you know, Antifa solidarity and defense of community, that message isn't being told or isn't being isn't being understood as far or maybe it is, but like I, you the, know, the it's, far right also has. I mean, like, there's a lot of people. The, the far right likes to talk about ah oh, liberal media, but like the truth is that like the overwhelming like volume of media speaks to conservative interests because they say yeah. oh we're gonna take both sides head for head it's like some sides are fucking wrong like <laughs> like i'm sorry but they're just yeah. fucking wrong yeah. um and like nazis are wrong you don't need to give a fucking platform to nazis yeah. every media station on the face of the earth and like here's like um you know there's there's a great example of one of the people in uh in berkeley one of these like fascists um started posting pictures and being like oh, I'm, a, I'm a marine veteran blah, blah, blah. you know whatever and people are like oh yeah this veteran was getting attacked it's like no it's not about him being a fucking veteran it's about him being a fucking nazi like like right and it was super disturbing how um the la times and i think the new york times or definitely some other like large media corporations were billing this as a um Trump supporter versus anti-Trump. And it's like, no, man, these people are sig hailing. Like, these people... <laughs> like, like, not this is even not, the same fucking conversation. This is not, like, there happens to be some real overlap between yeah. Trump supporters <laughs> and fucking Nazi scum. Like, there's definitely, like, overlap there. But, you know, having... That's, that's totally normalized. That just made it... Like, their reporting on it that way turned true, like, actual genocidal Nazis into like normal Americans who support their president just through the way that they yeah. framed that narrative. Super disturbing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so then of course that plays into the idea that like 
if an- then anti-fascist, that just sort of frames it as like anti Antifa is then anti-American because they're like anti-normal Americans who just support their president. Like that is a fucked up narrative. Yeah. Golly, there's people you know? who are just supporting their president and wanting to murder everyone. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just like, <laughs> like, what are you even talking right, about? Right, right, right. I think but, that's a Pinocchio voice. But, but then, but then, like, but then, yeah. What was that? Was it, that was an interesting choice. Very interesting creative choices there. But then, my 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 question though is like, are we making it easier to play into that narrative? Like, even if it's an unfair narrative, are we making it easier for them to play on that? And I would say yes. You know, I would say that there are ways to, um, you know help ourselves out by making it at least harder to um misconstrue what's going on you know what i mean in the in the broader context of like let this like clash of um you know of fascism versus like decent people um and saying like well you know the media is like just drawn to that violence but doesn't ask like what's going on here like and i and i like legitimately think that most people in the media like don't understand fascism and they're not taking it seriously that's the other thing that like anarchists say all the time is like you don't understand the actual you're not taking seriously this threat yeah like how bad of a threat it is and i think that there is absolutely totally a place for physical defense it's gonna become more and more necessary right i mean like probably the most terrifying thing i've ever seen was this video of French beaches full of blonde-haired young men who are training, physical boot camp training, to um, expel immigrants from France. Like, that is definitely real. But, so that means that people really do need to see the worth in that and, like, understand that there is something like... What do you mean when you say the worth in that? I mean, no, no, oh, God, that came out so badly. No, the worth of Antifa having a physical defense. Yeah, okay. Okay, okay. yeah. No. <laughs> no, 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 no worth in no. <laughs> Yeah, okay. No, 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 no worth in Nazis on beaches. That is definitely not what I meant. I, I, meant, I meant the fact that there is, it is real that, um, you know, physical forces are happening. Um, you know what I mean? So, like, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing that there are people on the left that are willing to put their bodies in the line yeah. to fight these forces that are incredibly destructive and violent. But, like, Antifa needs community support in that. You know what I mean? And, and needs to, yeah, and needs to, like, fill that role of, like, being accountable, you know, have some, have that strong community base. Yeah, it's having a strong community base, yeah. So, like... Did I even, did I even ever, oh yeah, so like the Malatesta thing, it's like we have these two sides of, that need to kind of come together in some way because, um, we do need to have physical defense to sort of expel Nazis from these spaces and make sure that they're not being normalized in society, but that is not being helped by creating these like really insular, um, anarchist societies that feel fringe because here's what happens is when anti-fascism feels fringe like they're you know it drags the entire idea of anti-fascism into an extremist fringe ideology like that's exactly the opposite of what we need like we need anti-fascism to be the total norm that everybody is doing right now yeah you know what i mean so like 
Um, and there are, there is a lot of Antifa and a lot of anarchists doing work, like doing, ton- this is like only a small part of what Antifa does actually in some ways, you know, there's a lot of like research and a lot of like tracking about what supremacist groups, mm-hmm. which is super, super important and like really great up-to-date information on where these militias and where these white supremacists, who they are, yeah. you know, tracking like, like I've been over and over, like super impressed with the work that um, anarchists do on those fronts. Um, but then there are different there are different ways of approaching these defensive space the, these ideas of defending space right I mean you look at um, and when it works mm-hmm. sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work so like the ability to be critical and like really try and figure out what does work and what doesn't work without focusing on just sort of defense of being able to use different methods is mm-hmm. really important and so like in Man- in Montana we talk a lot about the uh, whitefish where Richard Spencer. Yeah. His mom lived and everything, and like they were like there was a real ramp up of white supremacist activity in that area, and in that case, anarchists played a very key role. Um, but they worked with other organizations and more liberal organizations and sort of like established even reformist kinds of organizations in the area, mm-hmm. uh, human rights watch organizations to expel um, the Nazis out of Whitefish, Montana, in like a group movement because they they sort of pr- provided that's i don't know kind of security or like threat of self-defense i guess i don't know in these because of all of the violent nature of the threats against the protesters so like having anarchists at those protests run help that was with the community was super super effective yeah you know what i mean so it's like there is a way for anarchists and community to work together in a way that people are fulfilling different roles but oftentimes we're really shooting ourselves in the foot here by still sort of helping play into the narrative of this like insular extremist violent group that nobody wants to be associated with. And this this is a thing. Um, this is a big debate in uh, I mean in lots of different places. But one was in Portland, uh, Oregon. There was uh, there was a series of Black Lives Matter marches um, in response to national issues and in response to local shootings. Um, police in Portland have their own, like, very particular white supremacist history, and, like, there was a guy who, like, was building shrines to Hitler, and who's, like, still on the police force, like, I mean, just, like, all kinds of stuff, um, and, um, and anyways, there was a Black Lives Matter march, and there was a splinter march, um, off of one that went, um, you know, went up and, and was blocking one of the bridges, and there was, you know, there was critiques afterwards saying, like, hey, like, like, we appreciated that there was, like, anarchists here supporting Black Lives Matter. However, like, you don't... This isn't the space to, like, lead a march to go, you know, break some windows and, and march up a bridge. Um, and that was contested because people were also like, hey, like, some of the people who were doing that splintering were also people of color leading the way. You know, so there was some... You know, it wasn't like that was a one-sided, like, this is it. But also... Um, uh, that I mean, I think that there is, you know, there's a real question about like, what, what kinds of actions are appropriate in different contexts. Um, you know, like certainly it's not like all marches are bad or like all confrontations with fascists are bad. Like no, like that's not at all the point. Like there are lots of confrontations and there are situations where like fascists will like will open up an attack and like you've got to you've got to do what you got to do to to survive and take care of yourself and and help you know and help the people that you with and that you with and that you know you know and um 
you know, and protect your community. Um, and there's also, you know, places to say, you know, maybe a physical fight isn't what's happening here. This is a contest for space and, you know, simply having a thousand people shouting and drowning out fascists and like ridiculing them mercilessly. You know, like sometimes that's an appropriate response too. you know, sometimes, you know, there are, sometimes the approaches can be different and look like different things and that's okay. You know, and like, there's not just one response. Um, but like, but it's like it's yeah. about strategic because here's the other thing too is um you know i saw daniel mcgowan speak he was just here at u of o pretty recently um and if for you don't if you don't know him he's like a well-established anarchist he was in prison for seven years due to um on an arson charge um he's out now but at this he was speaking and at the end of his sort of talk he seemed he was pretty he was visibly worried and he said you know i i really worry about all of these like young passionate um anti-fascists and anarchists just throwing themselves into the jaws of the machine you know like when certain types of actions just have a very high risk of arrest you know and like the way the american justice system works you get in the justice system you often don't ever get out you know, like, that's the reality, and so if there are ways, if there are methods, and there are, there are methods of both effectively getting across a method or change, or effectively changing something or effectively protecting space that are less likely to end in arrest or physical assault or damage, then we've got to be doing those things at priority, you know, like, like absolute priority because what we do not need is all anarchists in prison and like all of these, you know what I mean? Like that's the last sort of not, you know, that's not helpful to anybody, you know? Yeah. Thinking about the like arrestability of actions and like potential longer term consequence, you know, and like some of that is unavoidable. Like police might just show up and be like, ah, I want to get you. Yeah. You know, like that, that anarchists get arrested. Like that that's does, just, that, yeah, that that's happens. That's just a thing. But, um, uh, and fascists don't. Like, where are the police arresting fascists? Well, like, here's the thing, though, <laughs> is, like, if, you know, in Berkeley, all of these people who are just there, like, why were the cops just standing around? It's like, well, that's a good thing to look at. If yeah. the cops are in support of what's going on, like, that means we're probably not doing something that's helpful for us. Like, the cops, I just feel like they were loving that. Watching their own, watching the fascists, like, get all militant and violent and beat up anarchists, like, that's their favorite thing you know what i mean and then giving getting an excuse to like round up a bunch of anarchists and throw them in jail and like they were adding on charges like pr like wearing a mask now wearing a mask in public is apparently something you can be charged for so like i, I mean it was so like rich people context. watch out for your masquerade balls police <laughs> might arrest you no. <laughs> i think it's like wearing a mask during doing something else illegal or i don't know but um which is so yeah, and so, like, people, and I saw the same thing, there was a, a rally um, um, in Portland, I think, at the airport, this was more recently, not not, not some of the, um, the huge wave of airport protests, it wasn't that, it, there was a, but there was a counter-protest, and it was just getting more and more ramped up, and this story had, like, a, a pastor or something who had shown up in support of immigrants, who sounded really scared, and was like, I don't know, the police weren't doing anything about it. And it's like, well, if it escalates to a certain point, then it gives the police the ability to 
do their authoritarian thing and crack down hard. You know what I mean? So it's like that sort of escalation is exactly what they want. You know what I mean? Like that plays right into the hands of being able to round up everybody that they're against, all of these anti-fascists, get them out of the streets, like throw them in prison. And like these things can haunt you. You know, it's not like a, you go to jail and you get out of jail. It's like, you know, Daniel McGowan was like sitting on that charge for years and years before they like found an opportune time to throw him in jail again. You know what I mean? It's like the, I were, you know, the people in DC who, um, got rounded up, um, you know, 200 plus people and then hundreds and hundreds of people down in California too. Like those charges, that's, and that's a lot of money. That's resources. It's difficult. And it's going to happen when you're doing any sort of like, it's, it's not like that's not going to happen. Right. So like, I'm not saying like everybody who gets arrested, that's terrible. Like, blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I, that's not my point. You know, like you should be, if you're actually doing disruptive, if you're doing something that's actually disruptive or like, um, to, um, has a chance of, um, um, <clears throat> is actually jeopardizing to the system in some way, then you're going to get taken down for it because there, the system... Well, there's always a risk of arrest. There's always a risk of arrest, and, like, the system is always going to be trying to take down anything that's actually has a chance of working to take down the system. Yeah. You're like... But my point being is, like, if there are ways, and there are ways, to minimize those risks as much as possible, then those those that, those types of tactics should be... 100% um, prioritized. And here I think it's important too to think that like part of the reason why I think police are loath to arrest white supremacists while all about arresting anarchism is that, or anarchists is that, um, you know, that part of what police are defending is a system that's like etched into white supremacy. The laws, it's like police defend property. Who owns most of the property? White people. You know, like, police defend this, like, racial hierarchy and, like, come out of this tradition of, like, slave catching and, like, come out of this tradition of, you know, repression of people of color. And, like, 70% of U.S. prison systems are people of color. It's not an accident, you know? Like, this is, like, the police systems are set up to create a, like, white supremacist culture. Um, and they're, like, they're defending white supremacy. That's, like, part of what they do. And, like, our laws like are not written to say oh this white person but like th that history is there like and um i mean the very very first laws in the constitution of the united states you know are talking about um the like the three-fifths compromise are saying like black people are not people like that was like that was the like the very first laws of the united states like set up white supremacy as like the premise of the united states mm -hmm. and um, and there has been, it has been a long and perpetual contest to say, no, like that's wrong. Um, and there have been battles and wars and deaths fought over that. Um, and now we're also in a situation where like police are still like, yeah, I'm going to go with it, you know? And they're like, by doing nothing are allowing white supremacy to like continue. Um, and, uh, so that's like a contest that is left to us to struggle with, um, as like people, who oppose white supremacy, you know, who oppose any sort of ethical order. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that that's, you know, we're, we're in a situation where on the one hand, like we don't want to invite the repression of the state, but on the other hand, like need to ask. And I think that that's like sort of in some ways allegorical to what was happening, um, here at the U of O also was that like here Nazis come to campus and how do you respond? 
you know, like, if you make a big deal, you're sort of, like, feeding the trolls and something. Like, they were coming to bait people on campus. Yeah. On the other hand, like, you can't ignore them because they're fucking Nazis, you know? Like, get <laughs> yeah. out of my home, you know? Like, yeah. fuck you, you know? Um, so, you, you know, you're, you're caught in this situation where, on the one hand, um, you don't want to feed them, and on the other hand, fuck you, you know? Like, yeah. both of these things are true. Um, and so how do you navigate that in a way? And that's tricky. And I want to just give for my part in closing this up that just like a, a real big shout out to everyone who was there, yeah, um, who resisted really... the like more than a hundred, maybe 200 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and just like how much that presence, um, you know, really, really forced them off basically. Um, and that, um, that, that being a disruption and being present also said you know this is not normal this is not acceptable we do not tolerate these like random white supremacists um coming to our campus coming to our home coming to a place to learn and you know that that uh fascists are not part of academic exercise (laughs) you know and so yeah and so just like massive shout out and love to the people of the ufo who like stood up and resisted um and potentially you know potentially risk personal harm and so just like i i think that's that's so courageous um and so yes yes i agree (laughs) good job got the nazis out (laughs) everybody was there um i hope to hear more accounts um i would love to speak to anybody with opinions on any of this like we would love we want to have this podcast and sort of this um, entire project we're doing with Friendly Anarchism uh, be about opening these dialogues and, you know, disagreeing and agreeing and figuring this out, really trying to work towards um, figuring out what works, because in the end, the only moral choice is what works. Um, and so in this case, I it was community, so it was kind of like, it worked, it, like, people got out, it was, like, community, it was lots of people coming together from different organizations and different things going on, like, everybody rising up together, and also not super peaceful, sounds like it, like, there was definitely, like, confrontation and, like... There was some disruption, but I, I, I don't think that there was any, like, fist fights, you know, no, I don't no, think no, there was, like, shoving, but, but... there was, but it yeah. wasn't, like, just, like, a... Peaceful, oh, let's like, hear yeah. Kumbaya. No, no, no. no. <laughs> it wasn't just the dancing rabbi. Right? No, okay. But the dancing rabbi is awesome. Yes, I, I don't yes, know who you are, sounds... but major shout yeah, out. Can we, can, we, let's, can we get him on the show? Let's figure it out. Okay, okay um, should we cut this off? Okay, so this was like a little bit rambly, and, um, but, and this was our first take at it. We have so many things to say, and we're so excited thank to you be for doing listening. this project. Yeah, thank you for listening. And um, fuck Nazis. Fuck Nazis, yes. Um, and um, you can email us at friendlyanarchism at gmail.com or uh, friendlyanarchism at protonmail.com. If you want that secure email. Mm-hmm. That's the encrypted one. Uh, yes. All right. Signing off.